Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Off the Beaten Track. For this episode, we are talking to Carl Fredericksburg from Speedway Illustrated Magazine. Carl, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Nate. It's great to be here. So, Carl, I have a few questions we want to go over. Um, I want to start with talking about um, how long you've been publishing Speedway Illustrated. When did you start? When did you start first publishing it? Well, I I joined the team when we launched the magazine. Uh, we formed our group in December of 1999, and uh, we we uh, put a key in the door in early 2000, and then. We released our first magazine in May of 2000, and uh, I became the publisher in September 2010, uh, just about 10 years later, and it was with a group that I've been with since the early 1990s. Mm-hmm. And that group consists of, if I'm not mistaken, Dick Bergeron, who's the founder. Yep, yep. Um, and, and I Joyce believe Lou Boyd. Lou is very much involved with our magazine. He's got a byline in the next issue. And and uh, tell me, Carl, who decides what stories and photos to make it into each issue? We all do. Um, uh, when you work with people like Joyce Dandridge, who's been in this industry as a writer since 1978, um, we all have a pretty good grasp of what uh, the content of Speedway Illustrated should be. And um, uh, we we gather uh, telephonically every week uh, for at least an hour, usually more, and we discuss what's going on around the country in auto racing, and we discuss what aspects of it should be in the next issue of Speedway Illustrated. Um, so that's how we determine what's going to be in the magazine. And how does your magazine differ from others? What sets it apart? Um, I think the collective experience and the passion of the individuals who participate here, um, racing in any capacity, any role doesn't suffer fools. It doesn't, if you, if you're a pretender, it's just not going to allow you to be, uh, in the sport for very long. What will always seek, uh, the people who, uh, truly appreciate what it is and what it's for. And, um, and that's what Speedway Illustrated does differently than everyone else, I believe. Mm-hmm. How much of the magazine is dedicated to the technical aspect of racing? Well, yes. We it, One of the things we hope to do is encourage people uh, of all ages. Um, we, typically, we like to see adults uh, racing cars, um, uh, there's a lot of young folks who are in cars, and um, but primarily we want to see uh, people 18 to 80 uh, getting race cars. And one of the things we do with our tech stories is show them uh, how how relatively easy and fun it can be to build, own, maintain, and even drive one of these buggies at Star Lee or anywhere else across the country. Mm-hmm. Do you encourage readers to uh, submit stories or ideas or uh, articles to the magazine? Uh, 
all the all, all the time, all the time. Um, it, it, it's I, I met a young man at New Hampshire Motor Speedway who is eager to become a journalist, and uh, he happened to sit with Dick Bergeron and me and Dave Moody from uh, MRN and Sirius Radio uh, for lunch, and um, that's uh, yeah. yeah. And we had a great time, and then I encouraged him to meet me at Waterford uh, Speedway in Connecticut, and he uh, he's working on some stories now. Uh, but for folks who have ideas for stories, we, we eagerly accept them. We welcome them. Um, the tough part is that uh, magazine writing is concise. you got to get to the point, and, and the story has to be uh, not for yourself, not for your subject, but for the guy in Yuma, Arizona, who couldn't care less. What can you publish that he will like? And uh, that's that's the key component to producing a good magazine story. Right. And I suppose that uh, your, your audience as the reader, you want to put forth a story to the reader that is, again, like you said, concise and uh, to the point. And you want it to be like, uh, engaging to the reader. You want them to be able to pick up the magazine again and again and again and even subscribe to it. That's our goal. That's our hope. Um, racing is a wonderful sport, and it's 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 done so many great things. Um, recently, we were talking about how you know, some folks outside the sport might look at auto racing and think that it, it is uh, an, an environmental hazard. Uh, we use lots of fossil fuels. We make a big carbon footprint. We use tires that get us nowhere. But I, I always point out that um, every fuel efficiency in our passenger cars, every safety advantage, every deformable crush zone, uh, better brakes, lighter materials, uh, more aerodynamic automobiles, they all found their start in racing. It's the competitive competitive inspiration that comes from auto racing has benefited these automobiles, hundreds of millions of them worldwide. So when you compare the uh, now minuscule uh, the carbon fiber footprint and uh, fossil fuel usage that we have in auto racing, even from the local tracks, because that's where a lot of these great people in racing have discovered the sport. Um, those those things have benefited uh, the entire planet. So uh, folks who think think racing is a is a hazard actually have it wrong, Nate. They really do. Right. Uh, Speedways Illustrated's reach limited to the Northeast or just New England. No, no. We have um, 40,000 readers nationwide and a few folks who wait a couple extra weeks and they get delivered to Australia and Sweden and the United Kingdom and Japan. Uh, people want to know wow. what's happening in auto racing in, in this country. So, uh, yeah, we're we're all over the country. How many people subscribe to the magazine each month? We have uh, 40,000 readers each month. Okay. Um, tell me about the different writers you have on staff. Are they all from a racing background? Primarily, um, we have you know people who've never climbed in a car, but have that that urge. There's a fellow in Des Moines, Iowa, named Dan Anderson, who is just extraordinary in his ability to tell a racer's story. Uh, we've got Lou, who most people around here are quite familiar with, with his brilliant work at Coastal 181. We have Bones Borsier, who many consider the 
the finest writer in all of auto racing. He's done, among other things, Tony Stewart's autobiography, uh, Bentley Warren's autobiography, Bill Simpson's. Uh, Bones is pretty exceptional. I mentioned Joyce already. Uh, she's she's yeah. top of the chart. Can't go to the races around here without knowing Dick Bergen, who has a byline in the current issue and one coming up about uh, the wonderful things he's seen at Thompson. And then we have Mike Adescavage, who's a Connecticut native, now living in California, who we travel all over the country. Uh, he is um, His first photos were published in Dick Bergen's magazines back in 1973. So he's got a lot of experience. And then, uh, and then there's J. A. Ackley, who's a—he's uh, the young guy. He's only been working with us for ten years, and he—he's uh, based in Knoxville, Tennessee, but he's a Long Island native, and he does a great job as well. So we have—we've yeah. uh, got him, and we've got Jason Beck, who's new but terrific in North Carolina. We've got Bruce Bennett in New Jersey. We've—we've uh, we've got quite a team spread out, and that's—that's that's what gives us our. A good perspective on what's going around uh, on in racing around the country. Right, exactly. Um, Kenny Wallace has been a big name in NASCAR racing. In the, in the November issue, he wrote a story called "Old Man of the Mountain," which was about his dad. Would you, uh, who would you mm-hmm. like to see write a story for SI that hasn't yet? Wow, that's a great question. You know, we're we're, we're really uh, thrilled, grateful, blessed, and and consider a terrific privilege to carry some really spectacular bylines in our magazine. Um, over the years, uh, Dale Jr. has written for us, Tony Stewart, Jimmy Johnson, Ryan Newman, Rusty Wallace, uh, Jeff Gordon. They've all had bylines. Uh, Mike Helton has written for us. So just about everybody, Scott Bloomquist for the Dirt Late Model crowd uh, has written columns for us. Carl Edwards is a regular columnist, as is Kenny Wallace. So when I think about who I'd like to have, boy, um, I don't know. You know, Ken Schrader wrote a column for us in 2008. He's got a column in our next issue, uh, but his column in 08 was about what makes a real racer, and uh, we have a real racer award based on that. So. That's a great question. I don't, boy, I, if there was somebody, I'd go out and get them. I can assure you that. <laughs> right, right. That's a real stumper there. Um, so do you see the magazine continuing to grow since its reboot in 2010? What made you want to bring it back after its 2009 closing? Well, it it was, it was, we were sold to a group that uh, may not have had racing at its core interest, and uh, they, by my perspective, mishandled the magazine for the year they owned it, and they closed it in April 2010. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't ready to give up. I believe in the mission of the magazine, and that is to help people enjoy the sport, uh, whether they're a fan of the grandstands at a local speedway, uh, or if they decide to go racing, to help them go faster, safer, and spend less money to do it. And um, I wasn't ready to give up on that. I I was a person who hid my race car from my parents for five years, and everything I learned, mm-hmm. Nate, about racing came from a magazine, came from Stock Car Racing Magazine. Right. So I was convinced that we need to have a magazine like that, like Speedway Illustrated, to continue for the young people racing today, 
uh, or the newer ones to racing, regardless of your age. And so um, that's why I wasn't willing to let it go, and I needed a job. So uh, we, we weren't ready to give up. Right. And it's funny that you mentioned that you hid your your racing car from your parents because I remember talking to someone not too long ago, Larry McReynolds, uh, who also um, talked about doing the same thing when he was younger as well, starting out. Oh, and Bobby Allison, too. And um, There was a time when, when racing wasn't so warmly embraced by parents because uh, it was certainly uh, a pretty pretty seedy ca- uh, group of characters that, that participated by and large, and uh, it was much easier to get hurt then than it is now. And so uh, I had rented a car from Mo Tweedy, who many people remember racing at Hudson Speedway, and went home and told my parents that I wanted to have a race car, and they said, not while you live under this roof. So like any insubordinate teenager, I went out and did it anyway, and I raced under yep. an assumed name for five years. And mm-hmm. uh, and then when I did finally tell them, they, they fully embraced the whole sport. Um, so you list three additional staff members, and I put those in quotes, staff members, in a magazine that I thought were interesting. Henry, Jack, and Zip. Can you tell me about them? <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, as far as hard as we work on the magazine, our shop head of the month is probably the most popular. And that's heartbreaking for all of us who care so much about the words we use and the pictures we take. But each month we have a shop pet. So um, uh, years and years ago, Dick Bergen uh, set a precedent of, of making sure that uh, the, the, the dogs who permeate the office are a big part of the team. And so uh, Henry and Zip are part of the Northeast office, and Jack is a Shiba Inu who is in the uh, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee office. Yeah. Henry's a mutt. Zip is a greyhound. And and they 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 do they work hard for the magazine with dogs too. Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised they don't have their own uh, byline themselves with their own cover stories sometimes. <laughs> you know, this don't don't challenge us. We might end up doing that. <laughs> now, Tony Stewart mentioned you in a 2010 USARacing.com article about the magazine's return to the publication. How great was it to receive kudos from uh, an NASCAR champion like that? He's, you know, Tony. Tony is, um, he's really fantastic on a lot of levels. Uh, years ago, when we launched Speedway Illustrated, we wanted to have a real racer on the cover of our first issue. And and Tony's a lightning rod. He's certainly controversial, but one thing you can't deny is his passion for the sport and the people who produce it. Um, recall that in 1999, when he won the Rookie of the Year and uh, he was furnished a speech, he pretty much ignored it and instead talked about Glenn Nibel, who provided sprint cars for him uh, that, that helped him win his first USAC championship. And that sort mm-hmm. of uh, loyalty to a friend is lost on a lot of people. Uh, and, then, and then not long after that, we wanted to do a special story to see who would be faster, me and a car that I built at a track that I have thousands of laps at, which is a street stock at Star Speedway, or Tony Stewart, mm-hmm. who's a world-class talent, but hadn't seen the track or the car before. And to his great credit, Nate, he came up and he got in my street stock and we took turns going around Star Speedway to see who'd be faster. And I don't mind telling you that I kicked his butt, but uh, 
In fact, I joked with him. I yeah. said, you got Joe Gibbs' yeah. phone number because this was 2000. Uh, he said, why? I said, because he made a mistake. He should have been hiring me. Um, but right. the point is <laughs> that uh, at the end of the day, Tony did a lap that was three one hundreds faster than me, and he wanted to go home then. So, um, But the thing was, there was no upside for him, Nate. If he does it and beats a local guy, he's supposed to. If he does it and loses to the local guy, he's humiliated. So Tony had no benefit, but he still came and did this thing. So that's that's why I I just think the world of of uh, Tony and and uh, what he represents to to racers everywhere. I mean, we're talking about a guy who would have ten dollars to his name and and mm. keep five dollars for gas in a Ford Escort, five dollars to buy a Happy Meal that he would split with his girlfriend to get enough money to make it to the racetrack where he had a midget ride and make enough money to get back home. It's not always been million-dollar motor coaches and private jets for Tony Stewart. Um, not right. at all. No, no. Uh, are there any special plans for Speedway Illustrated in the future? Will you be entering um, a back issue into the Northeast Motorsports Museum for display? Yeah, we're, we're certainly going to support the museum however we can. We just think it's so important and so valuable. Um, one of the things to, that we get to see, Nate, is these wonderful parts of the country. They've got really rich racing histories, and they forget all about them. They let them go. Yeah. They don't have museums. They don't have, uh, you know, like the Pro-9 Museum in Rhode Island, that those guys have done such a great job. Um, or, or the folks in Maine who preserve the racing history here. New England has done a great job, and I, and I think that the museum near Loudoun is going to be one of its crown jewels. But for the folks right. in other parts of the country that have rich racing histories, they disappear into the ether. And there's a tragedy yeah. to that. Uh, not only do you miss out on what racing uh, was in your area, people don't have an appreciation for those who have come before them and made it possible to race today or have thrilled fans that keep the sport going. Um, it's a terrible, terrible mistake. So, so whatever we can do to help that museum or the folks at EMMR in Pennsylvania, uh, people do good things with museums. Um, have you ever been to the Pine Speedway reunion in Groveland, Mass.? I have, I have, and it's 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 fun. I was I'm a little bit too old, and I was too young then to remember going to Pines with my parents, except for sitting on the bleachers and have some vague memories. But just to go there and to feel uh, what it is to be at that track, its location, see the cars that ran around there, and talk with the people, it, it, it's a wonderful afternoon. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I want to thank you for being on the Off the Beaten Track podcast. And um, it's definitely a good uh, magazine that you guys are running. Uh, I do subscribe to it. I, I joined during the uh, summer push when you guys were at Loudoun. Um, I signed oh, up great. for a magazine there. So, And, and uh, I want you to tell everyone how they can get a hold of you guys at the magazine if they have storied ideas, if they want to subscribe, if they want to check it out online, uh, go ahead and promote your um, your magazine and tell the people about it. Okay. Well, we're on Facebook, and that's a great way to interact with us individually. I don't put any of my material online digitally. 
Um, if you'd like to subscribe, uh, you can dial 877-9-RACE-MAG, uh, 877-9-RACE-MAG. That's 877-972-2362. Um, or you can go to speedwayillustrated.com and uh, – or, uh, Nate, if somebody's listening and has a pen handy and they want to scribble down uh, simply info, I-N-F-O, at speedwayillustrated.com, shoot me an email, tell me you're an off-the-beaten-track listener, and I'll send you three free copies in the mail so you can check it out uh, nice and easy and decide after those three copies. It'll be complimentary of your podcast to uh, to decide if they want to subscribe or not. That is an awesome deal, and I think they should definitely take care of that. Uh, take uh, advantage of that. Carl Fredericksburg, I want to thank you for calling into Off the Beaten Track tonight, and I hope you have a wonderful night. You as well, Nate. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Thank you. Good night.